As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stress You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM Harry, thank you so much. Let's do a little bit more of the uh, the Zach Carl in terms of never give up. I want to get to that that phrase, that bridge when he goes, never give up. I wanted to kind of give Zach that, that shout out. Uh, Antoinette Brim is, is with us. Do you have a nickname, by the way? People go with Antoinette. Is that the full? The Antoinette kind of rolls off the tongue, has that nice. What about your middle name? <laughs> My middle name is Marie. Marie. We have Antoinette, Antoinette Marie Brim with us today. But uh, Zach Carlin, that, you just heard Zach. Uh, uh, Antoinette, I'm, I don't think I mentioned to you that I'm teaching part time at, at Gateway in terms of the. Uh, uh, well, it's a part-time lecture position in terms of public speaking and and, and uh, oh, what they call fundamentals of communication. But Zach created this song for us. This was our theme song, "The Never Give Up." One of my oh, students. Wow. So again, in terms of public speech, as we know, it's just not the from a, from the lectern kind of standpoint. So I really wanted to kind of give this shout out to Zach. And he's going to charge me, I'm sure, for royalties at some, at some point. <laughs> but I'm going to try to get as many freebies as I can and from rightly him. So. And, and rightly so. And rightly so. But this is his exposure. This is his exposure. So he's going to actually come on the show. But Antoinette Brim is, is, is with us. And Antoinette is the, uh, she's an author, educator, editor, artist, president of the board of directors of the Creative Arts Workshop, secretary of the board of directors for the Indolent Arts Foundation. I definitely want to talk about that. But also as an author, and uh, three three books you have out. Yes. And the most recent coming out is These Women You Gave Me. Yes. And you can't, it's, Harry, is the, is the Facebook thing up? No. We're, we're having problems right. with our Facebook right now, but we're, we're up on YouTube. You, okay. Oh, great. So so if I hold this up, you can see the <laughs> These Women You Gave Me by Antoinette Brim. And this is a collage that you've created as well. You're, well, no? that, I did do that particular piece. Uh, mm-hmm. Another artist did that. Another piece. artist did that. Uh, so let's, let's jump right in. You had shared with me, in terms of your background, which is really extensive, you've done TV and radio and teaching and, and a poet, et cetera. Uh, in fact, I might, are you, are you, might, might you be interested in sharing a, one or two poems with us this sure. afternoon? Sure. Okay, good, 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 good. I, though I hadn't mentioned <laughs> that to you before. Uh, but the, the power of the arts, I mean, that's something that's really, we hear that mentioned from a cliche standpoint, stereotypical standpoint. But it certainly has ep- economic ramifications, creating community r- ramifications, and how do we even think about history, r- see history, record history, remember history? And you've been involved with that issue for for some time. As, uh, but but your book kind of reflects your most recent creative endeavor in that regard as well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, these women you gave me is a retelling of the story of what happened in the Garden of Eden between. Adam and his two wives, and a lot of people don't even know him. Two wives. Two wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we know about Eve, but Lilith kind of has gotten erased. And uh, so according mm. to the um, Jewish tradition, um, when God made Adam, he immediately made Lilith right afterward in exactly the same manner. Um, so they were both taken from the ground and fashioned and um, set down in the Garden of Eden. Um, 
then they had a little bit of a tiff, a little argument about who was superior, <laughs> which, of course, um, ended up uh, manifesting in uh, sexual expression. You know, mm-hmm. it was whomever was um, superior should be the one to to have the superior position. And they fought. And she felt that she was equal to him, and he felt that he was superior to her. And so they they fought until she pronounced the name of God, which, of course, you're not allowed to do, to say God's name mm-hmm, out loud. Mm-hmm. And she flew away and has forevermore been demonized. Boy, uh, I mentioned Antoinette before we went on air that we were going to go slow, so I'm definitely, I'm, I need to take a, I say that kind of, I take say a that, break. Yeah, I say that, but breathe. now I got to breathe, but that's, <laughs> That, that's a heavy thing you mentioned. Again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Antoinette Brim is with us. Um, carry forth, if you would, Antoinette, in terms of what you just mentioned and the investment of your time in terms of this is now 2017. So this, the Adam and Eve and Lilith story, if you will, or narrative took place a few years prior to, to today. <laughs> Why is that kind of still important to you or even have, has a sense of reality for you? Because it's the same old soup warmed over. We have all of these stories about history, about marginalized people and marginalized voices, but they're told in a very patriarchal Western manner. Mm. Um, and we, we demonize Lilith. We say, oh, she should have submitted. Oh, she's demonized because she didn't submit to her husband. But then when you actually read the original text, you find out it wasn't about that at all. It was about her being disobedient to God, not to Adam. Mm-hmm. We have the same patriarchal story when we're talking about Eve. You know, Eve is the bad guy. Eve didn't do the right thing. But we don't stop and look at the fact that when Eve came into existence, she had no foreknowledge or understanding of anything around her. Mm-hmm. She came into the world knowing herself only through Adam's eyes, who saw her as you know, subordinate and supposedly submitted and beneath him. And and so we make all of these assumptions about these women and the bad, bad things they do and how terrible they are without understanding who they are. Mm-hmm. And we don't know who they are because we don't have women voices telling women's stories. And so what we find is that this keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated. Now, um, as I was mentioning earlier, I'm finding that this, there's a resurgence of this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very reactionary um, time frame where we have um, the Senate about to figure out how they're going to replace Obamacare and how we're going to have, you know, um, uh, our health care um, given to us. And they didn't ask any women to be on mm-hmm. the committee. And they say, well, we don't need that type of diversity. We have other diversity of thought. But I'm thinking to myself... You know, you don't even know what you don't know Mm. until you bring another viewpoint Mm -hmm. into the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when you have another viewpoint, someone will say to you, you know, this is what happened to me. Or this is what happened, uh, you know, to someone else I know. Or this is what we talk about when we're all together and you're not here. And maybe we need to think about those things. So when I go back and I start talking about Lilith and Eve, I'm talking about the very foundations of how men and women distribute power mm. Um, mm. and it's mm. it's very very inequitable 
Antoinette, that, you know, this is Monday, so the people just waking up. I'm still just, just waking up. <laughs> Harry's just waking up. Paul's just making, but it seems to me that the women have been woke for a long time and the men are still kind of. This is the world we're walking in. And if you're not necessarily having the raindrops falling on you, you don't know that it's mm-hmm, raining. Mm-hmm. But um, when you have men telling you what you should be and who you should be, then um and then you know something different about yourself it's problematic it's it makes for a strange duality mm, and mm, i think that's something mm. we need we really need to talk about we don't need to lose ground mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know we've gained some but it, sem- it seems to me that we stand in the coming years to lose a lot of ground mm. if we don't start to talk about these things mm. share a little and i really appreciate what you said we're, we're again we're going to go slow and we might just stay on this topic for well, you know, we've been, as you say, we've been talking about it for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you go back to whether it's Papyrus or Osiris. So, um, or have you, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to ask the question about how do you want to be defined? Do you want to be defined as an activist, as an author? Do, do categories mean anything to you? And also, I'm struggling with for, framing a question about, if we've just had these conversations and written text, is it still going to just continue for the, for the next millennium and through? Wow. You, you follow me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, talking and, about and, and, just waking up. That's a mind blowing question. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start with this whole notion of how I want to be defined and then move into the written word. Okay. Um, it's, it's really funny. Uh, I think I want, would want to be defined um, as someone who didn't just survive, but actually learned how to thrive mm. in a world that is mm. not necessarily um, very hospitable mm-hmm. to um, to people like me, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. an African American woman, um, and and that has its own complications and mm-hmm. and joys. Um, so I. I want to be looked at as someone who took the ball and just totally ran with it. Mm. My very Mm. first book, Mm. um, Some of the Sunflower, um, was written primarily during my my graduate program. And it's about coming of age through divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, I was married for 15 years, had three beautiful children, and somehow lost myself in that whole notion of what a woman is supposed to be mm. that mm. helped me that mm. support all of those things and and didn't write poetry for ten years um although I wrote my first poem at about seven mm. so mm. it's something mm. that was supposed to be I was supposed to be a poet my whole entire mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. but world the world expectations my marriage expected me to be something other than that. And so um, some of the sunflower is just about coming of age, of, of, of saying, you know what, I know who I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be, regardless of what the world says I'm supposed to be. Mm. And so let me, let me reintroduce myself to the world. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. would like to know, I would like women to know that they can do that. And sure. I've gotten a lot of email from women who have said, you know, I sat down, I read the book, I cried, I, I get it, mm. you know. And, and that makes me really um, happy. So then from that book, I went to Icarus in Love, which is this whole notion of what is love. Mm. And um, it was kind of written on a dare. Someone said, you're the poet, you figure it out. 
And I decided not to just look at love from the perspective of, you know, intimate relationships, which of course are powerful and important and defining, but also love of self, which was something new um, to me. Um, I was taught, I think as a lot of women are, to take that love and point it outward. Mm. And we... and. We saw it all day yesterday. Mm-hmm, the women mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. got all the accolades are the women who were just totally selfless. She never thinks of herself. She never does anything for herself. She gives everything away, you know. Um, and that's what we celebrate. And I think we're socialized to think that that's what women are supposed to be. Men think that's what women are supposed to be. They see their mothers being that way. Mm. Um but I am beginning to think that maybe we should show our sons and daughters something different mm. where whereby we'd love and nurture ourselves and bring a fuller, more holistic person to the rearing and raising of our children. And that we show kids that they can do and be anything they want to, even the girls. Yes. And yes. Um, so I play around with um, notions of self-love, spiritual love. And there's some poems to my children. Hmm. What, what are their names, by the way? Roland Michael uh-huh. is my oldest. He's 27, and he has a beautiful, beautiful little boy um, with his beautiful, beautiful girlfriend, Samantha. Um, and their little son is Rowan, and that's mm. a whole new world for mm-hmm. me that I'll be writing about. Someone asked me, well, ah. now that you're a grandmother, do you feel <laughs> old? And I said, no, I feel immortal. Mm-hmm. And they said, immortal? I said, well, he's got his, his grandmother's long limbs. I see myself in him. And I know that, you know, I'm going to go on forever. Yes. And it just, yes. it's such a liberating, liberating and beautiful experience. And everything he does is a wonder to me. Um, my beautiful daughter, Waverly, will be graduating um, on the 21st from Western. Hmm. Um, Western Connecticut State University. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Degree in biology. And then uh, we'll be preparing for the MCATs to go and save the world for med school yes Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. and i believe she'll do everything and anything she's a spitfire um and then i have the one that i affectionately call the baby who's like about six three and (laughs) (laughs) you know all big and tall and muscled and everything but he's still he's still my pumpkin and he's a rising junior um in college studying finance um so I'm blessed with great and amazing kids. I, I hope that I have um, modeled for them uh, a good work, work ethic. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things I didn't model for them was self-care. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now mm-hmm. I'm finding I'm doing that as um, as a, a, a parent of adult children, yes. you know, because you got to make that turn. Indeed. It's very different. It's, it's, and sometimes it's difficult to know how to parent adult people. Indeed. But uh, I'm, you know, saying, you know, take care of yourself, give yourself some time, yes, think things through, um, and then of course, then that leads uh, me to these these um, women you gave me, which is, I think, almost an exercise in fearlessness. I, hmm. I think, when I started out, an exercise in fearlessness. Yes. Okay. Because okay. when I started out, I think um, I was a very quiet type person, and afraid to say things that might be considered, um, you know, not ladylike or controversial Mm. or anything like that. So for me to sit with, you know, multiple sacred texts Mm -hmm. and begin to ask questions Mm. Mm. and, and to, to peel back layers, um, 
and to feel like I had the right to do that, that was, mm-hmm. that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a really mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when I say an exercise in fearlessness, it, it's a book I was afraid to write. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, one now that I think once you've stepped into that realm of being open and saying exactly what you think and being fearless, you know, it's kind of like the genie out of the bottle. You know, plus I'm older mm. now, you but know. You still look very young to me. <laughs> this must you. be the eternal spirit. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just like, you know, hey, if I'm not going to say it now, I'm never going to get a chance to say it, which, you know, brings us to this whole notion of what we put on the page. What we put on the page is, you know, it's out there forever and it's going to find its audience. Mm. And, um, People are going to pick it up and they're going to find it and they're going to pass it around and they're going to talk about things. And that's, I think, a part of the dialogue. Anything that incites dialogue is good. You don't have to agree with it. You just have to talk about it. Boy, boy. Uh, you listen to the Tom Ficklin Show and Antoinette Brim is with us. And Antoinette is uh, an author and educator, editor, artist, president of the board of directors of the Creative Arts Workshop. And you just had a nice event this past Saturday, by the way, nice fundraiser. It was awesome. And Thank sec- you so very much. And secretary of the board of directors of the Indolent Arts Foundation. Uh, should we, Harry? Should we have Antoinette kind of read a short poem? I mean, she's been she's been spe- she's been speaking poetically for the. Uh, I mean, that goes that goes without saying. But I want people to know that you're really, really yeah, that uh, I that I really really do. Yeah, let, yeah. Me, let, let me figure something out that kind of goes really nicely. All right, all right. With um with what we're talking about, and we're going to post the uh, links to the various books, how people can purchase them, and kind of be involved, and hopefully have you even have you back in the in the fall uh, as well. Well, thank you. Um. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read two very short um, um, excerpts from from one of the poems that's kind of the thesis of the book, Icarus mm. and Love. Mm. You know, this whole notion of love, I, it's like, you know, what is it? One of the things I discovered while I was researching and thinking about this book and writing this book is that love will make you or break you, mm. Right. But it's just like Icarus, that little moment when he's flying too close to the sun, you know, before he realizes that he's created this, you know, terrible situation for himself from which he can, you know, never be saved. Mm -hmm. There's that moment of absolute joy Mm. and Mm. that makes everything Mm. worth it. Mm. So um, just really quickly, Icarus lamented. As for me, my arms are broken for having embraced clouds. The well-reasoned ones call him foolish, insolent, disobedient. I want to be Icarus in love, to find the end and the middle and be burned by the love of the beautiful. There is a perfect poetry in feeling your wing break and falling ablaze from the sky. Is there a more beautiful purpose or richer tomb than unadulterated love. Eternal youth, eternal folly, eternal promise. We could grow old, never having had the sun on our faces. We could live and die with our feet on the ground. We could watch awe-stricken those who have no fear, or fear and fly anyway. And I think that became the way I looked at love and not just love, but now, you know, life, just 
do it afraid. Go out there, fly, see what happens. Say something. We have young people listening, and young women in particular. Say a few words to them as, as if they were right in front of you. Ah, young women. Right now, you have no idea how beautiful and amazing you are. And it's only going to be with time and experience that you look back and you say, oh my gosh, I worried about things that I shouldn't have worried about. I let go of opportunities I shouldn't have let go of. Mm -hmm. Opportunities, you know, they don't come all the time. Grasp every opportunity and don't be afraid to fail. Because if you fail, you just get up and you try a new opportunity. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. yes, But um, the thing that you will regret the most are all the opportunities that you let go. So don't. Don't be afraid. Just, just dive in. Soar, soar. And to young men. I would say exactly the same thing. Um, oftentimes, I think young men are socialized um, to not want to fail, um, to not want to be emotional or loving or, or vulnerable. And I would say, you know, to young men, period, be vulnerable, love and love hard. Be, be expressive, be fearless. Um, don't let anyone take that out of you. Don't let anyone take the creativity out of you. I was in the store with my son yesterday during, um, you know, our, our mother, son, mm-hmm. you know, mother, um, mother's day date. And there was a little <laughs> girl and her mother was buying her candy mm. and she just broke into song and dance in the middle of the floor and just was mm. swirling around spinning saying, I'm getting candy, I'm getting candy. And her hands were just up in the air in joy. And her mother just started laughing. And then all of us around, I said to the lady next to me, I said, isn't it amazing how free she is? Mm. Mm. You know, I would love for for us to just be that free. Um, And even if we don't feel that we can dance and sing in the middle of Target because we're getting candy, but to Mm -hmm, have that mm -hmm, on the inside mm -hmm, of us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to have that joy on the inside of us, I think is absolutely amazing. And um, I think think that's very important for both young men and women, but really for young men, Mm. because I feel like they feel like they have to be very, you know. Strong and stoic the macho, and sure, the elegant yeah. and all of that. Yes. No, yes, no. Be yes. just be, have a good time. Be free. Tremendous. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show, and Antoinette Brim is with us. Uh, Antoinette, as you've heard, is an author, and educator, and poet, and lyricist, and I'll even say Grio. Is, 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 is Grio a neutral term, by the way? Is there Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. I have Grio? No, I've never idea. heard this group, but it applies to that that <laughs> spirit, the spirit that moving that moves eternally. President of the board of directors here in New Haven of the Creative Arts workshop and secretary of the board of directors at, at Indolent Arts Foundation and teaches at Capital Community College. Um, what are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> well, when I... I can tell you why I asked that question. Why? Uh, it's, I think it's important for people to know that we all are living our life, even if it's something as mundane as going to, to, to Target, that you, that you can encounter something there, that you can be aware, that you can find your joy just in your every, your daily step and your daily walk. So it could be something as mundane as getting your hair done, but even in the beauty shop, just when you see people, hear people, when I teach, I kind of ask folks as soon as when they come in, what did you observe in the last five minutes? So that's a really good question. When I leave here, I will be going back to the Creative Arts Workshop, mm-hmm. and um, I'll walk through the building and reminisce about how amazing Saturday night was and all the laughter and all the beautiful art that um, 
we were able to to share and and to bid upon and uh I'll walk through all the studios and it'll be quiet after all of the uh mm-hmm. the uh intensity and I'll just kind of smile and I'll relax. I call it my happy place. See, see. I go there and and just relax and I'll probably you know, walk up and down Audubon and mm-hmm. and go to coffee and get a coffee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'll see if they have plug, any of plug those. For coffee, that's coffee with the K. Co- yes, exactly. Will Lee says their coffee is better, but coffee with the K is good too. <laughs> well, see, they have these little cappuccino muffins, mm-hmm. you know, with these little um, dots of chocolate in them that I um, love so very right. much, and and I'll sit outside for a little while and let the sun hit my face see? and just be grateful. Mm-hmm. I like to spend time just. Um, being grateful and just watching and looking. My daughter kind of would tease me. She'd say, uh, you know, when I have to, when I go on a walk with my mom, it takes forever because she has to stop and see everything. She mm-hmm, says, mm-hmm, she says, I walk mm-hmm, like a poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's just stuff that you have to see and, and enjoy. And, um, I'm so very, very grateful all the time for, for everything that's around me. I, we talked really, really briefly. Um, before we went on air about the fact that I'm a military kid mm-hmm. and I had the, um, you know, the privilege of, of going outside of the country and seeing the way other yes. people live. And when I was um, 12, 13, we lived in Turkey for a while mm. and um, it was like stepping back in time. Mm. So many mm. things that you don't think about. I was on a bus with my dad and he said, look out the window, Antoinette. So I'm looking out the window and I see in this, in this big uh, body of water, people washing their clothing and eating it on and they're, and they're um, scrubbing their donkeys and Mm -hmm. their horses and all of that. And kids are splashing. And he says, that's where we get our water. Mm. That's why you have to, you know, never ever you know let that water get into, into your mouth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we take a gallon jug and you drop six, uh, drops of Clorox into yes. the water to yes. purify it. And that's what we would eat with and cook mm-hmm. with and all of that kind of stuff. And so remembering something like that, when you come back to the States and you turn on the water faucet and you can, you know, put a glass sure, underneath sure. it, you're grateful. Sure. You're, 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 you're grateful for those things. Um, you know, um, for having enough, you're grateful, very grateful for an air conditioner because, Turkey was 120 <laughs> degrees in the shade. Um, so, so yeah, so I think that that makes up my every day. It's mm-hmm. just this whole notion of, of gratitude. And I think, too, as you get older, you start to realize how important time is. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the new books that I'm working on now. Is no, wait, this, but you, you already mentioned one, so now there's two books, three books. This is the whole anthology? The, 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 have, the, Brim, the Brim anthology? <laughs> I keep multiple projects I love this. going I love this. it's Another a part of you'll the be process back. that's why you're coming back <laughs> keep us up to date i want but i want to look at this whole notion of time and what does it actually mean to live in the moment mm-hmm. and what does it mean to respect time mm-hmm. and um to understand that our time is finite and why that's a good thing um it hmm. took me a little while to kind of figure that out it was mm-hmm. like gosh you know I'm going to be gone at some point mm-hmm, in time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the fact that you're going to be gone at some point in time means that every moment that you're here is very impactful mm, and very tremendous. important. And so it makes you kind of measure how you use your time a little bit differently. Tremendous. And so I want to, I'm, I'm working um, on this new book 
that is is about time and about change. Because hmm. it was a time when I wasn't comfortable with change. I liked things to stay the way they were because but I par- felt like par- I understood par- par- them. Paraphrase that a little bit because folks are whether they're political or ideological or religious or just uh, uh, trying to deal with their their addictions or whatever level. This this thing about change we've heard it for the last. I mean, change since the beginning of t- beginning of time. With this thing about change has been in. In fact, people talk about time being a an artificial expression of a. Uh, of change, but in terms of the political situation, and I think so many, so many, so many of us feel like somewhat mentally unstable or just uh, being challenged by what's occurring in the external world. So, say say something about what I've just tried to mumble about. <laughs> you know, it's a really good point. Um, I've noticed that uh, people are they're they're disconcerted. Yes, and it's almost as though they don't know what the next moment is going to bring. Indeed. And so the notion of time and change, I think, is even that much more important. Um, and I think we need to live in the moment and be grateful mm. for each mm. and every moment, but we need to also understand that the next couple moments are not necessarily promised to us. Every time mm. a new mm. missile goes mm. off somewhere mm. and somebody gets a little, yeah. you know, I wonder, you know, what is going to be the the um, response to that and how is that going to affect time going forward? Mm-hmm. I think about time a lot too now being a grandparent because mm. there's only a certain amount of time that I'll be here to offer support and protection mm-hmm. um, um, for generations. I think what we have to do is we have to look at now in terms of what's going to happen in the future. Mm. I don't think we can sit back and say, well, you know, the polarized caps will be here for as long as I am. Um, I think we need to stop and think, okay, what's going to happen a little bit down the line, a little bit down the line, and start crafting our now Mm -hmm. so that we can get the future that Mm -hmm. we want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, And I think we need to hold each other accountable, but in a gentle way, because people are so hurting right now. That, yes, yes. that this rhetoric uh, by which people are so angry and volatile, that's not going to work. Mm. We're going to have to figure out ways that we can have discourse that's well thought out and and compassionate and kind. And I think that goes back to to writing thoughtfully, because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that we say, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. in the moment are not exactly as well crafted as they should be. Mm-hmm. But if we take the time to write and be deliberate and thoughtful, then we can say things in ways that they're not um, necessarily um, um, just so so uh, incendiary. Um, so, goodness gracious, this well, I think I think at some point in time people are going to look back at this time right now mm-hmm. and say this is where everything changed. So on that on that note, and in, in terms of time, I'm going to ask you also. Uh, Antoinette to read something else uh, from us, but I'll give you a few minutes to kind of think about that. Um, Do you, in terms of what you just mentioned, are we at a stage from your optimistic state? I get the sense that some, from some point during the days you're optimistic. I'm very optimistic. I'm overly optimistic sometimes. I get the sense and, and I respect that. So my question is even in your, let's say fantasy moments, it seems to me that your, your prayer and your, and your hope is that we even create a new Eden. You know, wow. Even as optimistic as I am, I don't expect that we'll have a new Eden. I mean, come on, even things went wrong in Eden too. 
Okay, so right. how, how would you phrase this next? If historians look back uh, 200 years from now about this new uh, epoch that we might be trying to create so that we can all get along, how might they describe it? There'll be one of two ways, we'll say. They'll say that we entered the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll say where people stopped seeing art as as important and amazing, where people... Um, stopped taking joy in, in diversity, um, where, where people became angry and embattled and embittered and where the class is divided even more deeply. So that's the dark side. How um, about the bright side? That's the dark side. side. Or they'll say things got so bad that people stopped, mm-hmm. looked around and mm-hmm. said, no, mm-hmm. we can do better than mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. started to reach across economic, um, racial, gender lines and started saying, okay, what do we have in common? Indeed, indeed. And what do we want that we could all agree upon? And let's work on that first. Indeed. And and get things and get things going in a in a decent direction. Because I think the things that we agree upon are much more profound than the things that we disagree upon. Mm. We agree that we should take care of the kids. We agree that we should take care of the planet that we live on. We agree that people should be decent, kind, honest, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we pretty much agree that facts are facts. Um, you know, the things that we really agree upon are foundational things. And I think if we rally around those things where there's confluence, it's going to get better. I, You know, I don't wish for an Eden. I wish for us moving toward perfection. Mm. You know, perfecting ourselves so that we have a better world. But and I'm sure you yeah. have one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten poems, poems per, per, all, pertain, pertaining all, to that aspiration. So all about I'll, that. I'll, I'll give you a moment to kind of choose one and listen to the Tom Ficklin show. And Antoinette Brim is with us, and uh, Antoinette is a, a teacher, an orator, an author, a poet. Uh, she's done radio shows as you can easily probably hear and see. Uh, she's a grandmama. I'm not going to call her granny because I don't know her that well, but maybe at the end of the show, I might try to slip that in. Can we I, call me Mimi. Mimi. Well, that's, yeah, that's, but I'm, that's one of my sarcastic end here. I mean, I can, I can only be good for 48 minutes after that. Antoinette, my, my quota is, is over. I'm telling you, once once a week, Harry, that's about the best, best that, I could do. Okay. That, uh, sounds, that sounds good. But, but her, her sharing, and again, the show, uh, this year in particular, uh, Antoinette, I've been trying to deal with either the words uh, social justice, social change from a guest mentioning the words or just even embodying the words. And you've illustrated what social justice, what social change, what economic justice kind of means without even having to use those, th- those categories. So I really appreciate what you've shared, but you're going to read from Icarus in love. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read a, a poem that I wrote for my son um, after he had lost um, some of his friends, one to a random act of violence, another to uh, drunk driving and then another to suicide. Um, you might say, my goodness, that doesn't sound optimistic, Antoinette. Um, but, and every time we turn on the news, we find that there's another young individual mm-hmm. who um, has, has been cut down in the, in the prime of life. And I think that we're becoming very comfortable with that. Mm. Um, if there's not even that much outrage anymore. Um, but I want to read this poem um, for all of the people who are hurting and, and um, as an encouragement, but also um, as witness. It's called, We Carry Our Dead With Us. Curse the sun that clouds like sugared absinthe. 
Curse the the sun that barely warms it. Square your shoulders, sun. We carry our dead with us. Rain will not stop because we will it. A dead messenger does not change the truth. The truth instead settles itself inside us. There is no antidote for the grief that ails. No song drowns out a mother's wail. No force can pull a father's fist from the sky. We bear the sudden sandstorm, grip our teeth, blink our pricked eyes, kiss the cheeks of those with faces gone sugar of lead lost to us. Bathe in the cry of cerulean wings cutting across the sky. Flight is a freedom that awaits us all. Now we move on. Do what they left undone. Avenge the tired heart gone silent. Cover the bullet holes that hemorrhage hope. Our dead are with us. Mm-hmm. That's from Icarus and Love by Antoinette Brim. And also Antoinette, just so powerful for you to read that. I uh, You have several YouTube videos up as well. And I think this is one that you've, yes. that, that you've read. And I listened to it either yesterday or the day before. So we're going to post those as well. Um, because whether we want to, whether we have to use the word, uh, Mike Brown or whether we have to use the word, um, I know Trayvon or whether we have to use the word of, of, of Emmett Till, we don't have those words. Uh, there's a, there's a continuity here that's, that continues. Right. And uh, so many names we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this, as we kind of wind up the creative arts workshop, New Haven is considered kind of the cultural capital of of uh, some would say of the state and I'll say of New England in spite of New York and Boston. But, <laughs> but I think you, and you've traveled, you mentioned you've traveled around the world and you've traveled to museums and you've been involved with, with poetry um, organizations and, and really some very elite poetry things. So you, you, you're kind of a, it's fair to say you're a global traveler. And, and, and the point of me is, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would and, say. And, that, and you yes. have a, a, a general <laughs> awareness of various parts of the world and almost have you ever been to Australia, by the way? No, I haven't been to Australia. But, but various continents you've been on. What, what I'm getting to is terms from a creative standpoint, the Creative Arts Workshop is a small place, you know, relatively speaking, but we have a lot to offer here in New Haven. And yes. The rates are, the, 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 uh, the course panoply, the, the, the menu of courses that you can take there, the, the rates, the opportunities. Share it. This is a chance to kind of share a little bit as, and just even if you weren't the board chair of the Creative Arts Workshop, <laughs> I would ask you, I would ask you this question. But but this this is a leadership transformation kind of issue that you're you're involved with. Yes, yes. Well, one one thing I do want to say about the CAW for people who may not know about the CAW is that there is something there for everyone. We have fabulous children's programs. We run mm-hmm. a fabulous summer or um a program. And it's amazing what the children are able to do in that time frame because we have world-class artists working with the children and showing them things. And they're so malleable and so open. Um, We also have teenage programs. Mm -hmm. So if your child is interested in digital photography or printmaking or clay Mm -hmm. or jewelry making, there's a place for 13, 14, 15, 16, Mm. 17-year-olds. So it's a place where kids start and just continue on. Um, There are communities of artists. We have a wonderful um, book bindery where Hmm. we have people making books and making momentum boxes and all types of things like that, but also lending their skills to um, preserving and refinishing and redoing 
ancient books and mm. for mm. libraries. We have print shop. We have studio potters who spend mm-hmm. all day just spinning the most beautiful pieces of artwork and people who go in with no understanding of art at all who just are amazed at what these these artists can help them do mm-hmm. we also have financial aid programs mm-hmm. because you know a lot of times people feel like the arts are well they're just above them or out of their reach but at the CAW artists for everyone and we have a fair number of experiences too that are um, free and open to the public. Yes. So you can just come in and and just avail yourself of that because art well. is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, um, yes, reinventing ourselves mm-hmm. um, as we're moving into a time where we're looking for uh, a new executive director. Your former one is now at the yes. arts. Council at the Arts Council, and so this is an exciting time, you know, um, because we're going to have an infusion of even more, um, uh, you know, new ideas and and to go into new places. But I think that the arts are important to the community because they bring people together, because they offer expression, because they allow people to be their best and truest selves. And they're also a haven in time of, of distress. Yes. And as we talked about, there is a, a, this pall that's kind of over the world. And just as I call the CAW my happy place, mm-hmm. yeah, I think people sure. need to come in and, and be able to express themselves in ways that will allow them to, to have uh, a sense of calm and a sense of purpose. Um, so yeah, I, I would invite everyone to avail themselves of what is a treasure, um, in, um, on Audubon street. And in the last minute and a half that we have, Antoinette, talk about the economic implications. Well, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, art is, um, something that is, is frivolous or it's a luxury. Art is not a luxury. Art is something that we desperately need and something that, with just a little bit of of uh, investment, really returns a large mm-hmm, dividend mm-hmm, to the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when we have art shows and people come from outside and they come in and they buy food and they and they um, go to restaurants and and um, uh, hotels and all of that, it, it makes for uh, um, an invigorated uh, community. And so I don't want people to cons- to think, oh, you know, we're giving money, you know, through the NEH or the NEA away. No, we're making investments. Absolutely. And we're investing Absolutely. in Absolutely. the arts, which will bring back a large dividend because we can be penny wise and pound foolish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and find that people aren't coming to the United States to see what's on Broadway or they're not going right. to MoMA or they're not, you know. And, and then we start to say, well, why are all of these industries failing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's because we didn't invest in the arts. We must continue to support and invest in the arts. You, you have the last word. You can see Harry Wag, Antoinette, has to come back in the fall, if not this summer, but definitely in the fall. Thank and, you. And we need you. This is the Tom Ficklin Show, and Antoinette Brim has been our guest. and just so appreciative of you being here and sharing. And, Thank and you for having me. I've had a good time. We're going to see you soon. Yes. Take care, everybody. Talk to you next Monday. Thank you. Get up, get up, hey. Yeah, this is my run. Let's get.
Now you gon' face the door you waiting for I said from night to dawn I write my wrongs alone And competition with warnings Ice galore